Hi, David. January has been a relatively quiet month for financial markets, but ended with headlines over Reddit traders taking on Wall Street. What's your take? Yeah, hi, Alex. Um, I I mean, you're right. Markets did start the year in um, soporific mood, but were woken up by retail investors clubbing together via the online forum Reddit to take on some popular hedge fund equity short positions. Uh, One of the equity shorts targeted by Reddit traders was GameStop. Um, So it's a sort of traditional video game retailer. Um, Interestingly, the short position that hedge funds had collectively was more than 100% of the free flow of shares. So the uh, Reddit traders were pretty smart. They they recognized that they could, uh, if they could push GameStop share prices higher, it would force the hedge funds to buy back shares to cover their shorts. So uh, a, a classic short squeeze. Um, these Reddit traders, I mean, they, they often use, uh, typically using the uh, Robinhood trading app, uh, which also allows them to buy uh, call options, have uh, also forced the, the, the dealers to buy shares to cover their short position. So uh, also a so-called gamma squeeze. And, and this trading strategy worked, at least initially. Um, GameStop share price rose, I think it was by more than 900% in uh, less than a week. Um, and, and Reddit traders started turning their attention to other stocks that were popular shorts, such as AMC Entertainment, uh, the cinema operator. Um, somewhat oddly, also to um, silver, which is a you know relatively big liquid market and uh, not really one that has substantive short positions. Um, I mean, there were record trading volumes on U.S. exchanges. Uh, the VIX, uh, a measure of expected uh, equity volatility, almost doubled. Um, I mean, a lot of these sort of Reddit targeted stock prices have fallen sharply since uh, the, the sort of rally in silver never really took off. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of debate and concerns expressed that this sort of speculative tussle between Reddit retail investors and the so-called titans of Wall Street uh, could be a source of systemic market risk. I, I mean, it seems unlikely. Um, you know, some long short equity hedge funds are certainly nursing significant losses. Uh, some might be forced to close. But, you know, the leverage and link to banks and other market participants is limited. And, you know, I think the, the reaction of the bond market was uh, interesting. I mean, the bond market is pretty much, I think, unconcerned about what was going on in stocks and um, certainly didn't react in a way that suggested it, it thought, you know, this was a macro or systemic risk. Um, so it's been entertaining, but I, th- I think, you know, the, the t- key takeaway for investors that I would highlight, at least, is beware of crowded consensual positions. I mean, it's something that you and I have spoken about before. When when the market is facing one way on a particular asset, short or long, uh, you know, unexpected events can turn the tables and there can be a lot of injuries in the stampede uh, for the exit. Uh, one other observation I guess I'd make is, is, is really how technology is allowing a, you know, a new class of retail investors to you know, very easily trade, including in fractional shares and options. Uh, you know, whether that ultimately is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, one can debate. But you know, just like perhaps the emergence of you know, the sort of cheap passive index tracking vehicles, I, I, I do think technological innovation will continue to shape the world of investment and, and the world that and, and, and the way that we do uh, investment management. 
And in our last podcast, you said that you were watching the vaccine rollout in corporate earnings. Let's discuss vaccines first. There's been a lot of news over the last week or so. Yeah, there has been a lot of news and, and broadly uh, positive. Um, you know, we're starting to get evidence from real world settings uh, that the vaccines are highly effective in preventing um, severe COVID. But we're also getting evidence that they also meaningfully reduce the rate of infection. And that was not something that really was properly tested in the um, phase three uh, trials. Um, you know, Israel is, is, is the global leader in terms of rolling out vaccines. It's administered um, at least one dose to you know around about 35 percent or so of its population, uh, roughly half of which have, have now received two doses of a vaccine. And studies out of Israel show very high efficacy rates um, in line with those from the uh, trials. So, you know, more than 90 percent of those vaccinated um, don't become ill with COVID and don't need uh, hospital treatment. Uh, one study compared those that have been vaccinated and those that had not and concluded that after the first dose, uh, the infection rate halved and even more so beyond two weeks as uh, antibodies uh, were built up. And uh, a recent Oxford University study you know, found a two-third reduction in the infection rate after the first dose of the AstraZeneca stroke Oxford um, vaccine. And, and we've also got new vaccines in the pipeline. Um, there was a study published in The Lancet uh, showed that the Russian vaccine Sputnik V had a 91% efficacy rate, and, and this has been a vaccine that's been subject to uh, sort of much international uh, skepticism, but uh, this study does suggest that it is effective. Uh, Johnson & Johnson phase three trial reported uh, a 66 efficacy rate, but actually more like 85% for moderate and severe COVID, and, and none of those in the trial who received the vaccine uh, required uh, hospital uh, treatment. Um, one piece of news that was somewhat less positive is that the efficacy rate against the South African variant is uh, lower, um, and that was found in the trials for both the Novavax and for the Johnson & Johnson um, uh, vaccines. And I think this does underscore what I think is you know, the biggest concern, which is that virus mutations will render vaccines less effective. Um, although these vaccines can be adapted in response, it clearly would delay the effort to contain the virus and, and allow full reopening of uh, society. But as I said, you know, generally the news flow on vaccines is positive. Additional vaccines and supply are becoming available. Uh, the vaccines are highly effective in preventing severe illness and hospitalization. And, and they're also meaningfully reducing the um, infection rate. And, and, I, and I don't think we should forget that at the start of this pandemic, I mean, many experts, uh, you know, were, were very sceptical that an effective vaccine for a new virus could be developed in just a year. And I, and I think it shows that, you know, the power of science with the backing of political will and resources is, is extraordinary. And, and if there is a silver lining from this COVID crisis, it's that it shows that if there is a collective political will, you know, we can rise to even the uh, you know, greatest of global challenges. Absolutely. And what about corporate earnings? Yeah, so yeah, earnings important to uh, keep track of. Um, just over half of S&P 500 companies have reported their Q4 results. 80% um, have beat analyst forecasts, and that's above the long-term uh, average of uh, 63%. Uh, financials, banks reported the, uh, the sort of biggest beat. Uh, they 
uh, helped by the release of loss provisions with asset quality holding up better than um, originally feared and, and as well as significant you know gains made from uh, investment banking and from capital markets trading um, interestingly our US bank analyst um, you know noted that banks have push back the sort of peak in credit losses they expect to experience to the first half of 2022, uh, but also that they expect um, those losses to be you know, lower than uh, initially feared and, and provisioned for. I think the challenge facing banks, which is you know, a sector that we generally like, is that it's going to be you know, more difficult to sort of grow earnings because loan demand still remains weak. That was one of the kind of recurring themes in the earnings calls. Uh, obviously, low rates are bad for net interest margins, but I think from a creditor perspective, uh, the outlook for, for banks looks pretty positive. Um, beyond banks, uh, better than expected Q4 earnings and companies' more positive guidance is uh, leading to upward revisions in analyst projections for 2021 as a whole. So I think the earnings outlook is improving. Um, don't really have too much to say about European corporate earnings just because it's you know earlier in the reporting season uh, fewer companies have, have have reported but those that have have also generally surprised on the upside and finally today David what are your thoughts on former ECB president Mario Draghi becoming Italy's new prime minister yeah so I mean we've discussed some of the uh, sort of political wrangling um going on in 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 Rome and I think Italian President Mattarella has basically decided to sort of up the stakes by asking former ECB President Mario Draghi to form a, a new government. Uh, if he is unable to do so, then Italy is going to get plunged into um, snap elections. Um, I mean, Italian assets, Italian stocks rallied uh, significantly. I mean, investors are you know, cheering the return of Super Mario. Um, the spread on Italian government bonds have, have tightened by, you know, 10 basis points or more to, to stand at uh, around about 100 basis points right now. So it's about 1% additional yield over uh, German uh, burns. And, and that's a spread level, which is, you know, kind of near the, the, the tights in, in the post Eurozone crisis period. Uh, but you know, securing a stable majority in Parliament will not be an easy task for Mario Draghi. Um, a technocratic government led by a former central banker is anathema for many in the populist Five Star Party, which is the largest party in Parliament. Uh, the leverage that Draghi has is his stature, uh, but also that, you know, other than the far-right brothers of Italy, none of the other political parties would welcome early elections and even low, even less so the public, I think, during a pandemic. If, if Draghi does secure a stable majority, and I think we should know sometime next week um, and, and wins a confidence vote, then we'll have a you know, strongly pro-European, competent, credible leader of the Eurozone's third largest economy, and it's undoubtedly a positive um, development. Um, it will certainly help ease concerns in some northern European capitals that the 200 billion euros or so of recovery fund loans and grants earmarked for Italy will be, you know, effectively deployed. Um, as, as, as I alluded to, I mean, if, if Draghi does not secure a majority, then we're going to have an early general election and, and that will be a big source of volatility, I think, for European as well as Italian assets. But, you know, I suspect that Mario Draghi would not have accepted the nomination from the president to be prime minister if he did not think he could form a um, stable government. So, you know, we'll have to have to wait and see over the next um, few days, but I suspect he will form a government which will 
you know, push out the prospect of uh, elections, general elections until, you know, 2022. Um, I guess one other observation I'd just make is that despite the rally in Italian bonds and, and you know, broader risk on tone in markets, it's kind of interesting that the euro continues to weaken against the US dollar. Um, you know, the bullish sentiment towards the euro at the start of the year was kind of one part of the kind of market consensus. And, and it's one part that's currently not playing out as um, expected. So I think that's kind of interesting to uh, keep an eye on. Thanks for your time today, David. And speak with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast may be issued by the following entities. In the European Economic Area, by Blue Bay Funds Management Company SA, the Manco, which is regulated by the Commission de Surveillance du Secteur Financier. In Germany and Italy, the Manco is operating under a branch passport pursuant to the Undertakings for Collective Investment and Transferable Securities Directive and the Alternative Investment Fund Managers Directive. In the United Kingdom, by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association as authorised by the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission. In the United States, by Blue Bay Asset Management USA LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. In Switzerland, by Blue Bay Asset Management AG, where the representative and paying agent is BNP Paribas Security Services, Paris, Sucursal de Zurich, Sonnenstrauss, 16 8002, Zurich, Switzerland. The place of performance is at the registered office of the representative. The courts of the registered office of the Swiss representative shall have jurisdiction pertaining to claims in connection with the distribution of shares in Switzerland. The prospectus, the key investor information documents, where applicable, the articles of incorporation and any other applicable documents required, such as the annual or semi-annual reports, may be obtained free of charge from the representative in Switzerland. In Japan, by Blue Bay Asset Management International Limited, which is registered with the Kanto Local Finance Bureau of Ministry of Finance Japan. In Australia, Blue Bay is exempt from the requirement to hold an Australian finance Financial Services Licence under the Corporations Act in respect of financial services as is regulated by the FCA under the laws of the UK, which differ from Australian laws. In Canada, BBAM LLP is not registered under securities laws and is relying on the international dealer exemption under applicable provincial securities legislation, which permits BBAM LLP to carry out certain specified dealer activities for those Canadian residents that qualify as a Canadian permitted client, as such term is defined under applicable securities legislation. The Blue Bay Group entities noted above are collectively referred to as Blue Bay within this document. Registrations and memberships noted should not be interpreted as an endorsement or approval of Blue Bay by the prospective licensing or registering authorities. The podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended nor should be interpreted as investment tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This product is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Blue Bay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after the publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Blue Bay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person or published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay. Copyright 2021 Blue Bay is a wholly owned subsidiary of RBC and BBAM LLP may be considered to be related and or connected to RBC and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of RBC, RBC GAM is a trademark of RBC. Blue Bay Funds Management Company SA Registered Office 4, Boulevard Royal L2449 Luxembourg. Company registered in Luxembourg, number B88445. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, Registered Office 77 Groveton Street, London, W1K3JR. Partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. 
the term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of members of the Blue Bay group and other important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.